Welcome to the Washington Church Toledo Podcast. Together, we are learning to encourage one another to walk with God through cultivating a personal relationship with Jesus the Christ. This podcast consists of recordings from our Sunday morning worship services and other teaching events that you are more than welcome to come join us live at. morning again. Um, if you don't know, my name's Mike Shavilsky, and I, I'm part of Washington, and uh, Pastor Jimmy has been away in California with his family. Uh, you can pray for our pastor and, and Ann and their kids. They're flying back today. Um, we're supposed to have thunderstorms and whatever, so they get to go through that. So um, pray for them as they come back home uh, today. I would appreciate that. Um, how many people were here last week? Raise your hand if you were here last week all the suckers who think something's not up when I ask who was here last week. <laughs> okay, everybody remember this card last week? You were here, remember? I, anybody remember what I said? What? And I said, perhaps it would be a good idea if we talked about what happened next week. Didn't I say that? So this is not new, so we have a couple people with microphones. Where are the people with microphones? Okay, we have two people with microphones. So who would like to share, as you prayed that prayer this week, what did God do? Wow, that worked really good, didn't it? Okay. Okay, go ahead, Beth. Okay. Um. <clears throat> Okay, um, God did a lot, actually. Um, one of the things that I, I actually, this card is great, but every morning I pray before I get out of bed, Lord, use me today. Place opportunities before me, divine appointments that I can show your love to someone in need and spread your word. And I expect him to move, and he does. And that's what makes me so excited because he, he I love his out-of-the-box craziness because that's kind of like how I am, <laughs> kind of out there. So, um, he did some crazy things. Um, the other day, we have a postal carrier that is filling in for my very, very dear friend, Monique, that had to have surgery. And I saw this guy walking across our neighbor's lawn. This is our neighbor, Bob. <laughs> we love him. He's a great guy. Uh, so anyway, I saw him walking across Bob's lawn, and this guy looked so down. Like, you know, somebody just died in his family or something. I mean, this guy really looked forlorn. And I'm sitting in a chair, and I'm watching him, and I'm like, God prompted me to get up and open the door. And instead of waiting for him to put the mail in the box, have him hand it to you. So I opened the door, and I just asked him one question. He looks up at me like he could kill me. And I said, hey, how are you doing today? How are you getting along with all this smoke? And he goes, no one cares. No one cares at all. And I said, man, I'm sorry to hear that. I said, I'll definitely pray that you have a better day today. And he says, yeah. And he, he turned and he walked away. And as soon as I shut the door, I love this. I love God's voice. His voice. I know it so well. When he speaks to me, I hear him. So he says three words to me. Go after him. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. So I'm like, throw on some clothes. I have no idea where this guy's gonna be, what I'm supposed to do. I throw on the clothes and I thought, okay, I'll get him a cold drink. 
I go on our refrigerator. There's nothing cold to drink. So I thought, okay, great. I'll go down to Circle K. So I get in the car. I drive down to Circle K. I run in. <laughs> I, you know, I get a cold drink. And then I get in the car. And I said, okay, Lord, I have no idea where this guy is. Lead me to where he is. And I had grabbed a card, a thank you card, off the counter in the kitchen, and I wrote in it. And I stuck a little money in it, <clears throat> and I wrote it, and I said, I just want you to know that you might not think anyone sees you, but you're loved. Jesus loves you. He values you. And even though the post office might not appreciate you, the people that you serve and deliver to do, and so does God. Have a great day. And so I'm like, okay, God, I got to find him. So I'm driving around. I'm driving around, and he's not on our regular route. So I'm going up and down streets. You know, he's not there. He's not there. I'm doing Finally, God leads me down a street that I normally don't go, and I look over, and here he comes. He's walking down, you know, down the road. So I pull over, and I get out of the car, and I go to approach this guy, and he looks up like, what's this, you know, he's kind of looking around like, is she coming toward me? And I said, hey. And he goes, me? And I said, yeah, you. And I said, have you got a second? And he said, yeah. So I walked up, and I said, hey, what's your name, by the way? And he says, my name's Dave. And I said, hey, that's my brother's name. So we started up a conversation. I said, you know, I just noticed when you delivered our mail today that you really looked down. And he goes, yeah. He says, it's just, it's just so bad. He says, you know, I used to do your route years ago, and I just can't do the steps anymore. So I switched over to a different route where I don't have to do as many steps. And he says, you know, no one cares anymore. No one, post office treats us, you know, like, you know, what? And I just, I just hate my job. I hate my life. And I said, well, I want to give you this cold drink. I said, here, have a cold drink. You look hot. He goes, okay, thanks. And I talked to him for just a little bit. And then I said, here, I want to give you this. And he says, what's this? And it was the card that I'd written out. And I said, you know, you don't have to open it now. You can open it in your truck. And um, he says, well, thanks. You know, I really appreciate it. And I said, Dave, you are going to have a better day. And he goes, you know, thank you. Thanks a lot. Well, he got in his truck. Well, Monique, my girlfriend, is back on the job, but she's not on our route. She's on a light route. And she told me, she goes, Beth, she came over to our house because I made her dinner and for her family. And she came over to our house to pick up the dinner, and she says, Beth, you won't believe this. Grouchy Dave, <laughs> the most grouchiest guy in the post office, came up to me today, and he goes, Monique, you won't believe what happened to me today. And he says, you got to read this. And he handed her the card that I had written to him. And as soon as she opened the card, she looked at the writing. She goes, Beth, I knew it was you. <laughs> I knew it was your writing. And he says, Monique, there was money in the card. This woman doesn't even know me. She hunted me down, Monique to give me this card and a cold drink. He goes, who does that? And he goes, Dave, did you read the card? You need to read the card again. And he goes, what do you mean? And he, she says, right here, it says, Jesus loves you, Dave. Jesus loves you. And you're valued and you're appreciated. And you need to know this. You need to reread this card. And he goes, Man, your girlfriend must be really spiritual. And <laughs> Monique says, no, she ain't spiritual at all. And he goes, what do you mean? And she says, 
She's a Jesus person. She loves Jesus. She ain't spiritual. She loves Jesus. So I go to bed that night. Four o'clock in the morning, God wakes me up. This is what he does to me, too. He wakes me up in the middle of the night. Four o'clock in the morning, he wakes me up, and he says to me, Dave isn't the only guy at this hub that needs to be encouraged and told this same thing. He's still sleeping in bed. <laughs> I get up. I get dressed. I go downstairs. I talk to the Lord, read my Bible, do devotion. And the Lord says, okay, fill the cooler full of water and go to Krispy Kreme and buy donuts for every single person that works there. And I'm like, Donuts, oh yeah, that sounds pretty good. So I text Monique, 5.30 in the morning. I said, Monique, how many carriers are at your hub? She goes, 40. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm doing the math, how many donuts each. And So I go to Krispy Kreme, I get everything, and then I'm able to witness to the three women that are at Krispy Kreme. I said, you know, you all are doing God's work today. And they're like, what do you mean? And I told them. So it's like, for me, it's a, it's a ripple effect. It's a wave effect. Mm -hmm. Every time you go to do something for the Lord, you include others. You tell them. Sure. So they're like, wow, really? Is this what you're doing? And so the, the, own, the owner or the manager, she, she brings me a real hot, nice, glazed, crispy green donut off the line. She goes, you deserve this. So I got a free donut out of it. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> And, An unhealthy um, donut, by the way. <laughs> and I didn't, even, I didn't even order one. She just gave one to me. But anyway, I, I went back to the hub, and Monique told me, she was just park over, you know. I don't think I'm, my boss is going to let you in. Just park over and wait till all of them start leaving in their trucks, and you can give them their breakfast. And I said, okay. Well, then she, she came out. She goes, Beth, you won't believe this. My boss, which she never would do this, said you can come in. And I said, okay. So I went into the hub. Everybody helped carry everything in. And Monique's cousin made this announcement. Hey, just want to tell everybody, best friend, or Monique's friend Beth on her route brought donuts and water for everybody breakfast this morning. And everybody's going, woo, you know, donuts, fresh donuts. So I said, I just want to tell you that God loves everybody here that you're valued and you're appreciated mm -hmm. and you need to know this. And so Monique told me, she came over after work again and she said, you won't believe there's different people, a lady that is an atheist that came up to her afterwards and spoke to her. Um, Grouchy Day came over and is like, there's more to this, mm -hmm. there's more to this. People need the Lord. Mm -hmm. People need love. People need unconditional love. And people need to be run after. Mm -hmm. I don't care what you have to do. And this is needed every day, every single day. There's so many people that are hurting. Mm -hmm. It only takes just to step out. So perhaps we should have Beth or um, Bridget come up and lead us in our closing hymn. <laughs> and Sorry, we can... I didn't mean it to go that long. <laughs> Anybody else? Your story doesn't have to be as elaborate. It could be simple. Anybody else have something? Yes. Show me what you want me to see. Tell me what you want me to hear, and just let me be there for these people. Mm -hmm. Well, all week I have all these people. You know, I don't have to go into detail about that, except that I had to go to the dentist Friday, which I hate. It's my worst place to go. And I walked in, and this girl, she says, hey, we're ready for you. And I said, okay. And I walked in, and I gave her a big hug, and she goes, oh, my God, you do not know what that has done for me. Sure. And she just almost started crying. She said, hey, guys, this is the first hug of my day from somebody in the dentist's office. 
And she got really excited and she said, wow. And I said, hey, that's just God's love, you know? Mm -hmm. He's just trying to show you that he loves you just mm -hmm. through me. I said, no, don't hurt me. <laughs> because, you know, <laughs> I hate going to the dentist. But um, yeah, and then this morning, we, I always stop at the Dollar Tree and get a paper for a friend and, you know, whatever. And I ran into this lady named Angela. She was a, a black lady, wonderful lady, and she was just down, down. And I said, you look beautiful. She said, I know, but I don't feel beautiful. And I said, oh my gosh. I said, what's going on? She said, all oh, my fibromyalgia is kicking in. And I said, yeah, well, you know, I'm gonna pray for you today. And I walked away and I said, wait a minute. <laughs> God goes, go back. <laughs> and I go, okay. Dollar Tree, I'm standing there praying with her. I just, you know, put my hand upon her and I said, Jesus, come be with this lady. I don't know who you are, but I said, you, you deserve to mm -hmm. be healed today. Sure. And I said, I'm going to say your name in church out loud. So, hey, Angela, wherever you are, <laughs> she went to church because she said, I have to go to church. She was I want to introduce up. her to Dave. I uh, know, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, um, I think that if we, we don't even look, but if we just mm -hmm. are aware, like Beth said, people are brought into our midst every single sure. day. And if we pay attention and do what the Lord wants us to do, mm -hmm. we could really save somebody's life. And mm -hmm. I really believe that because I took a lady to shopping the other day because she was just going to go by herself. I said, get in the car. I said, I'll take you. And she goes, really? It happened to be her anniversary. Her husband had died and it was her anniversary that day. And she was treating herself to something wonderful. So, you know, that's the way it goes. Okay. Anyone else? It doesn't have to be a, a big, uh-oh, Dennis, I'm a little concerned. But <laughs> you were asleep during most of this, so. <laughs> There's a lot more to that story, by the way. So she, she condensed it, believe it or not. Um, we, we volunteer at the food pantry, and I just wanted to speak to a, a man there that uh, Joey knows. And we know, uh, we, we go every Wednesday and it's just a blessing to go there and, and just witness to these people, minister them and, and pray for them. And there's this man named Thomas and he's a giant. He's big and, uh, not heavy. He's just big. He's one of the strongest men I've ever met. And he's very loud and very, he can be threatening. He can be, people are mm -hmm. afraid of him. They kind of avoid him when he comes in. So we help them with their food out to their vehicle or, or whatever. And uh, so I, I was helping him out and I noticed that he had, his ear was, was quite mauled. And I asked him about it and he told me that he's sleeping on a couch. And the edge of the couch is tearing up his ear. So I said, well, let's, let's pray for that now. And so I prayed for him, and the man broke down into tears. And he's like, wow, I don't know what just happened to me. I, I said, that's the Holy Spirit working mm -hmm. in your heart and your life and touching you. And he, he went on his way. We talked a little bit, and he went on his way. And Tuesday night, I wasn't even thinking about him at all and it just the lord put the thought in my head get this man a pillow mm -hmm. he needs a pillow so when i woke up the next morning um i had a doctor's appointment i had to go to so i wasn't going to be there and i didn't know if he was going to be there that morning or not um, they only come once a month so i told beth we need to get thomas a pillow and so she did and we we she took that in and gave that to him he showed up we had no idea whether he'd show up or not. So he showed up Wednesday morning and she gave him that. And uh, he was just flabbergasted mm -hmm. that anybody cared enough about him sure. that people saw him sure. to see him. So we need to see you know, people, not just pray for people when we see that, but take action as well. And we, the Lord will work. People need to stop reading my notes. Um, Guy, do you want to share Maley's story? No? <laughs> My wife does not like to speak. We had, um, 
Remember, God works in us and speaks to us, speaks through us. Um, we have to keep our eyes and ears open. It's not always overwhelming things. Uh, we're doing this thing. Our granddaughter um, asked me to help her. She wants to learn more about the Bible and understand it better. So we're going through the book of Mark. We're reading 10 verses a day, my wife and I and her. And once a week, we're making a phone call. And we kind of connect and talk about, uh, I, we're supposed to write down something that, we, that really hit us and any questions we may have. Uh, so we're reading the story in Mark where the, the, the friends bring the, the lame man to Jesus and they, they bring him in and, and Jesus forgives the man and heals him. Um, and our granddaughter, who's fairly new to all this, she says, um, wow, it must be really important to know who your friends are and pick your friends wisely. We were like, this is amazing for our granddaughter to get to that place and see that in the text and how that can affect her. So that's the Holy Spirit, too, speaking to her, but also reinforcing to us that this is a good thing to do and that she really is learning. Anybody else have a shorter story of some way the Holy Spirit spoke to you or worked through you or worked in you? Up, up, oh, somebody, up. Oh, yeah. somebody, then we'll get, we got one over here, so we'll get to that. Go ahead, Scott. Yeah, so uh, I three times a week I get up early in the morning. Pastor Jimmy makes me work out. And uh, so over the past couple months, I, I pretty much drive the same way every week, every day that I do it. And there was a yard that was kind of like basically this spring watched the grass grow and got longer and longer, and everybody else started mowing their yards, and this yard never got mowed. And um, so it was like pointed out to me. Clearly, I recognized that, but then, you know, Holy Spirit was like, yeah, you, you're, somebody there is in trouble, or they're old, or they're hurt, and you need to, like, pay attention to this. And so, like, one day after leaving working out, saw a guy, had a walker, and I was like, I drove past, and Holy Spirit was like, turn around, dude. And so <laughs> I was like, really? I've got to go to work. And like, so, so I turned around, went back, met the guy. He was getting hip surgery that morning um, and wasn't able to mow his yard. So like, I was like, I'll, can I bless you and mow your yard for you? And so I did. It's just having something pointed out to you, noticing something, and being mm -hmm. obedient to I guess that voice, I guess, and it's been a blessing to me to meet this guy and talk to him, and uh, you'd think you're going to witness to somebody, people got to witness to people, this guy, one of the first things out of his mouth was, are you a Christian? Mm -hmm. And here I thought I was going to witness to him and, and maybe get an opportunity to, and he has been a blessing to me. Sure. And meeting him, so. Thank you. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, uh, about six years ago, as I was coming to the U.S., I had an accident at uh, Frankfurt uh, Airport. I fell off the escalator and uh, my BP shot from, I mean shot to uh, 160, the lower one, 270 the upper one. And uh, I was rushed to the hospital at Frankfurt University. And uh, as the doctors were examining me, they just kept on sh sh shouting, you are going into shock now, you are going into shock now, you are going into shock now. And that was when I really got strength. I sat up on the stretcher and I said, doctor, have you ever heard about Jesus? He came to save and also to heal. I said, doctor, I'm not sleeping in this hospital today. I'm going, home. I'm going back home. Then he said, we will not let you go until we are sure that everything is okay with you. So as I was there, the Holy Spirit talked, reminded me, you are here in this hospital because of your prayer. You've been praying all the time you go through Frankfurt. You will be praying for Germany and reminding me that Martin Luther 
came from this place. And now Germany has backslidden. Mm -hmm. And you've been praying for revival. And you've been asking me that how you wish that you will not just be in the airport, but that your feet will actually touch the soil of Germany. And now here you are. <laughs> I said, oh my God. I spent the whole day talking to the, uh, uh, to the doctors, preaching to the nurses, and they kept me there for 12 hours. They did test the span uh, almost six hours. In the end, they brought a seven-page report, and everything was negative. They didn't even give me a Tylenol, so they discharged me. Mm -hmm. Then I came here, I've been here for the past five years, and I've been praying with, with our son uh, for God to start make him to make disciples with his classmates, and uh, to my surprise, he has brought three of them home on, on weekends, mm -hmm. sometimes they spend one week, he has brought some to the church, and Carter is one of them. When we had the, the service last week, I've been praying that prayer, but I made it more conscious than ever before. So as I was praying on Tuesday, then the Holy Spirit said, did you hear what Carter said? I said, what did he say, Lord? He said, he is from Germany. <laughs> I said, oh my God. You know, the first day he came, he introduced himself. He said, they are from Germany. I just took it casually. It didn't ring a bell. It didn't say anything to me. Mm -hmm. And that morning, he said, this is part of the prayer you've been praying for Germany. I'm going to use Carter. He is here. Mm -hmm for a purpose. Mm -hmm. You have to take extra attention to see to his spiritual development because I'm going to use him as one, one of the answers to your prayer that will bring revival, mm -hmm. not just in the United States, yep. but even in Germany. Hallelujah. We talked about last Amen. week how, God, how the Holy Spirit is active before we even realize in, and he'll be at work, after. We're going to continue with the audience participation part of the show. Um, everyone should have gotten a sheet like this when you came in. If you didn't get one, raise your hand and someone will get you one. Where's my volunteers distributing them? Okay, raise your hand again so we can get these out. You should have one of these sheets. We need one up front here. Everybody got one. Um, hopefully you have a pen nearby. There's a, probably a pen in the pew, um, or you have a pen with you, and please share pens if you need be. Maybe we can get you a pen if you need a pen. Um, and here's what I'd like you to do for the next few minutes. Okay? The sheet simply reads God's list. Here's what I want you to do. Just so you know, I don't ask anything of you I didn't, Here's mine. I already I did mine during the week because I knew what I was going to do. Um, I'd like you to make a list of everyone you came in contact with this week from last Monday through yesterday. Now, you could contact them in person. It could be you've been texting back and forth. It could be via exchange of emails. Make a list of everybody you've come in contact with from last Monday through yesterday. You may not know names, you, you feel free to use things like the mailman or the waitress, someone who helped, you know, someone you went through the checkout line at the, at the store, somebody who mowed your lawn, everybody. I have a couple days where it was just my wife and I. 
That's okay too. Or my wife and I and one other person or something. So make a list of everybody, everybody. This is people you work with, people you hang out with, your neighbor, you talk to your neighbor this week, talk to family members, people you work with, the doctor's office, include your kids if you had contact with them. Spouse, give you a couple more minutes. You don't have to list everybody's name from church today. Make sure you include all the terrible people you ran into. That might be the longer list. I don't know. Okay, you can, fini- you can finish up that list later. It's going to be relevant to what we talk about. We're going to look at, in the scriptures today, we're going to look at the book of Acts, chapter 17. Last week we did the first 15 verses. Today we're going to start with verse 16 and go through verse 34. So I'd like you to turn in your Bible. It's not going to be on the screen. So turn in your Bibles. They're in, in the pew in front of you. Um, there are Bibles you can share. You can use your phone. Those of you who have it memorized, just follow along with your mind. Okay, Acts chapter 17, beginning with verse 16. Okay? I'm going to read to you. So you can follow along, or you can just listen to me. Okay, you ready? Acts 17, beginning verse 16. While small man was waiting for them at wandering place, he saw that this large village was filled with images of powerful spirit beings. So every day at the tribal gathering house, he would argue with the tribal members. And at the trading post, he would talk with any spiritual people who happened to be there. Some traditional wisdom seekers also argued with him. Others wondered, what is this talking head saying? While others said, he seems to be talking about strange and powerful spirits. They said this because he was telling them this good story about creator sets free and is rising from the dead. So they took him to the council at Mars Hill. Explain this new teaching to us, they asked him, for your message is strange to us, and we want to know its meaning. The people who lived in wondering place would spend all their time telling or hearing about new things. So small man stood up in the center of Mars Hill and said, People of wondering place, I can see that all things you are, in all things you are very special, spiritual people. As I walked around, I saw some of your sacred objects. One altar had this carved into it, dedicated to an unknown powerful spirit. So then the one who you sacredly honor without knowing is the one I will make known to you. The great spirit is the one who created the universe and all things in it. Since he is the rightful ruler of the spirit world above and the, and the earth below, he does not live in lodges built by human hands. Creator does not really need human beings to do things for him, since he is the one who gives all people life and breath and everything we need. Beginning with the first human being, he made all tribes and nations. He wanted people to live all over the face of the earth. He decided ahead of time when and where each tribe would live. He did this so that all people could look for him and find the trail that leads to him. Creator is not far away from any of us. It is through him that we live, walk, and have our being. As some of your songmakers have said, we are children of the Great Spirit. Since we are his children, we should not think that he is made of gold or silver or wood or stones. He is not like the carvings that people have thought up in their minds and made with their hands. In times past, Creator overlooked this empty way of thinking. But now he wants all people everywhere to return to the right way of thinking because he has chosen a day when he will decide for all people who has done right and who has done wrong. He has chosen a man who will do this and has shown all people who he is by bringing him back to life again from the dead. When they heard about the rising from the dead, some mocked him, but others said, we will hear you again about this. So small men went on his way. Some of the people believed and joined with him, including one of the council members of Mars Hill named Shining Tree and a woman named Goodwife, along with a few others. Was that familiar to you, what I read? That's, a, that's the American Indian version of the New Testament. 
And it's written that way, so it's written in the context that a native Indian could relate to and understand using terminology and things that they're aware of. We do that all the time. You carry an English Bible. You carry, most of us would be using the New International Version. How many people still use the King James Version? Got one, oh, we got three, okay. King James Version was written in Old English almost 200 years ago, or well, longer than that, 400 years ago. And that language is antiquated, and many of the words don't mean today what they meant then. So we've progressed and we've, written, we've come up with Bible translations that speak to us in a context with which we can understand. You may not like some of those contexts. Some people like the, the Living Bible used to be, now the New Living Translation, or you may prefer a different version. But all those are written so we can understand the Scriptures in a certain context. And that word context is really important. Um, we have 10 grandchildren, and eight of them are now teenagers, and some are into this thing where they have relationships with other people that aren't in the family. And um, we go back, my wife and I have had a few conversations with them, because we, we don't understand the dynamics. Because we use terms like, did you ask them out on a date, and are you going steady, and whatever, and they have, they have no clue of what we're talking about. We have no clue of what they're talking about. You know, we heard our grandson and this girl were talking. Like, well, what the heck is talking? I mean, you talk to people all the time. But they talk a completely different language, so we had to learn to understand what they were saying and what it meant and stop saying what we say because they have no clue of what that means, nor do they have any interest in learning. So we do context all the time. Now, as I said last week, we had a long passage. This is a long passage. We're not going to delve into all the details of everything that's there. So let's just talk about what's going on because um, we're going to talk about us being in Athens. See, Paul ends up in Athens. You know how Paul gets there? He had no intent of going there. The Holy Spirit blocks doors, opens doors, creates circumstances. Friends make ideas. He follows along. He's rescued. He's punished. He's disciplined. He's chased. He ends up in Athens. That's the Holy Spirit, brings them to this place. And Athens, historically, was the place of great philosophies where many of, the, many of the ways of understanding life that we still follow in Western culture were developed in Athens. By the time Paul gets there, though, that's hundreds of years before that, when Paul gets there, the city of Athens is about 10,000 people. They had 30,000 gods. Imagine that. 10,000 people with 30,000 gods, including the unknown God. That's the place Paul finds himself in. So he's really, the first thing he does, it says this, he's greatly disturbed by what he sees. He sees this place, and it's like people are wandering around with ideas and things that are missing the whole point. And it really disturbs him. That's the beginning point of evangelism. Is the way things are disturbing to you? Not in a personal sense. In a God sense. This is not what God intended. There are ideas and things that are crazy and wacko, and it's not just the ideas. It's the people. People are lost. People are pursuing things that does not give life. Does that disturb us? Do we care about that? Again, not making the world what we want, or we, you know, this is wrong, that's wrong, we need to fix this. We, just do we care about people that are lost, that are missing out on everything God intended them? Most of us would say we want everyone to know Jesus. The reality is, for Christians, we do very little about it. We do. Just a few years ago, they did a study, and on average, you know how many, how many people the average Christian leads to, leads to Christ? Whose job is it? The church's job is how most people think about it. 
And I'm not saying the church shouldn't play a role in that. But we need to understand we're the vehicle God's using to make him known in the world. It's not about us being happy. It's not about us getting our way. It's about us starting to see the world as God sees it and being his tools to use. I'm thankful for the early church. We're here because of the early church. You know, the early church didn't have any sort of power. This is a group of people that knew that their shift to following God could cost them everything. Could cost them their possessions, could cost them their, their livelihood, could cost them their family, could cost them their lives. Yet they spread the word. They told people about Jesus. They lived differently. Paul was distressed, but he, would, he didn't hide. He didn't withdraw. He didn't circle the wagons and said, well, I can't hang out with those people. I've got to get with my people and just withdraw from any, everything. The text says this in the New International Version, not the version I read, it says that Paul went to the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. That's a great line. That's as good an evangelism line as there ever could be. Paul went to the marketplace day by day to be with the people who were there. The shopping place in this day was called the Agora. That was the marketplace. But the Agora was more than a place you shopped. You did go there to buy things that you needed. But it was also a place of entertainment. It was a place where families went. It was a place where politics were discussed. It was a place where government activity was taking place. It was a place where people just talked and shared. It was, um, it was Starbucks and the mall and all the restaurants you could think of and grocery stores thrown into one. And that's where they went. So there were people of all sorts there all the time. It was a, it was a bustling, busy place. It's where you'd go if you wanted to find out what people were thinking and where people were at and what was on people's minds. That's where Paul went. And he went there to have conversations with them. He went to the Agora every day. So consider your life and where you go. Do you understand God has placed you wherever you go? Is not God in us? Is not God working through us? So wherever you go, Whoever you're with, whatever your plans are, wherever you work, God has put you there. He's put you there, not just so you can be happy and earn all the money you need and do all those things. Yes, that comes with it, but he's put you there because you are the light. You are the one. And all we're supposed to do is be open to Jesus. Be open to the Holy Spirit. If you read the Gospels, do you understand how many stories there are that just came up as Jesus just moved around? Few things are planned. He's walking around. They're sailing on the, on the, the lake. Someone touches them. They're eating and someone comes up to them. Someone says, I've got a question. All the things are just coming up just because Jesus is moving through life just like he does with the mailman. Just like he does with our granddaughter. Just like he does with the people in your life. Jesus just went about making sure he was available to people. Jesus was about pursuing the lost, pursuing the trapped, Pursuing those controlled by others, pursuing the lonely, pursuing the excluded, the different, the spiritual exercise, the exiles. And his purpose was to give them back their humanity. His purpose was to give them shalom, the wholeness of God in their life, so that their life could be what God desired it to be for them. God so loved the world and everyone in it, and we as his followers should do the same and everyone in it. The opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is apathy. Love must love. 
Love must act. Apathy withdraws. Apathy does nothing. For many Christians, we say, oh, terrible people out there. Too bad. That's apathy. That's not love. That's not being who God is. But Paul was engaged. He went to the marketplace. And during his time there, he was compelled by what he saw. People who were lost. People who were in pursuits of a life that didn't satisfy. That did not lead to wholeness. That did not lead to God. And he doesn't condemn anybody. He doesn't insult anybody. He doesn't exclude anybody. He tries to speak to them in ways that they can understand. That important word, context, to speak in a context that people can understand. We have to learn to speak in a context that our grandkids understand so that not only can we understand, but that we can relate to them, that we can have conversations with them. And so that we don't embarrass them by saying something really stupid in front of whoever it happens to be. Uh, the first time we met our oldest grandson's girlfriend, um, we gave us instructions. Do not refer to her as my girlfriend. We haven't got to that stage yet. I'm like, okay. But understanding the context helps us relate to them helps them allow us in, and helps us not put them in a bad situation. So context is really important. So consider just for a moment where God has put you. God put Paul in Athens. God has put you in this church in this moment, in this time. God has put you in your job. God has put you in your family. He's put you in whatever kind of place you live, an apartment, a neighborhood, condos, tents, wherever he's put you. That's where God has put you. He's put you in your, your school. He's put you in whatever place he takes you. The doctor's office, the, the grocery store, and everyone you meet. He's placed you there so you have contact with those people, some encounter with those people. Look at your list. Look at all the contacts you had in the last week. God's list. He's put you in every one of those circumstances with every one of those people. Whether you know them by name or not, how you speak to them, treat to them, look at them is really important. We need to look at people. Last week, I talked about a story in Acts about the man that he was lame and his friends carried him and put him at the gate called Beautiful. And the story says that the man saw Peter and John, but he's looking at them and I, want, I need some help here, give me some money. But then the text says, Peter looked straight at him and he told the man, look at me. The significance of that is that Peter's saying, I see you. I see you, the person. Not a lame beggar on the side of the road. I see you, the person. I want you to see me, the person. Do you see people? Or is it just, yeah, the mailman's here. Or do you see the person? That's really important that we see people because in our culture, people are invisible right in front of us all the time. When I was pastoring, we had a, had a ministry that, that served the unhoused. And one of the things we used to do was when we, we, when we went to minister to them, we joined with them. We didn't give them lunches. We had lunch together. And you meet people and you get to learn their names and it was really significant. And you meet people that you go, oh my goodness. And you hear their stories. That's what it means to see someone and recognize them as God sees them. They are not a number. They're not a type. They're not a group. They're not one of them. They are the same as you, loved by God. 
and created in his image. And God sees them just like he sees you and wants us to see them in the same way. That's what Paul was able to do in the Agora. So much of what we do depends on what we see. If you see them, it's much different than if you see Dave. Much different. Or Claudia. Claudia, was it? Was it? Angela, sorry. It's much different than when it's the person at the store or the mailman or whatever. When you see the person and how you treat them and speak, it doesn't have to be a big elaborate story. Um, I meet with a group of pastors every Thursday morning. Uh, We've been doing this for years and years and years, but for about the last three or four years, we have the same waitress at the same place every week. She's a Muslim girl, a really super person, and we've gotten to know her. She's Fatima. She's not the waitress. And we have dialogue with her and all kinds of things go on. She's a person to us. She's not the waitress. There are people all around you all the time that are nameless. And again, not that you have to learn everyone's name, but how do you treat them? Because if you treat them as them or that person or the waitress, you'll treat them differently than the person. We need to look at others with the eyes of God and love them with the eyes of God. It's important that we don't remember who we were because we were them. At one time, we were them. Paul writes this in Ephesians, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. That same power who was at work in you is at work in these other people that we meet. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of the flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Do you remember that's who you were and who we now are in Christ? And that can be possible for every person you encounter. Every person you encounter. Now, not everyone's going to respond in the same way. In the story here, Paul's having all these conversations. Some make fun of him. They call him a babbler. Which means seed picker. It was a name given to people who wandered around the Agora picking up scraps. Kind of inferring that he's picking up this crazy stuff all over the place and throwing it together. And they don't respond positively to him. Some ask him to speak more. Even at the end of his big speech, some respond, but not many. But some do ask for more if they want to meet with him again. So it's not about how they respond. That's not your responsibility. That's the Holy Spirit. It's our responsibility to be the vehicle. Holy Spirit, I ask you, work in and through me today. It's just being the vehicle. You're not responsible for the results. You're responsible for being available. Now, it says these people love to talk about all these different ideas and the old days and this, and we like this, and we're against that, we're for this, I think we should do this. That's going on in our culture all the time. It's always happening. People are babbling on about all kinds of things. And God wants us to be able to enter into those conversations, not to be like them, but to be Jesus in those conversations. Sometimes Christians end up in the midst of the craziness, acting crazy, when we should just be Jesus in all those circumstances. There are ways we can show Jesus without winning. All we're responsible to do is be kind, compassionate, caring, generous, loving, forgiving, extending mercy, seeing people as people. 
It's about playing the long game. The long game is this. Paul writes about this, but it applies to us too. Some water, some plant, some throw the seed, some put the fertilizer on, some trim, some serve as shade, some encourage. We don't have to do the whole thing. You just have to be who you are and encounter who God puts in your path and see what the Holy Spirit does with that. Paul gives us a couple important lessons in speaking to people in context. If you study Paul's words, his speech, whether you read it or listened to what I said, did you hear Paul quote Scripture? He did not run around quoting Scripture. But if you read that passage, he refers to the Old Testament 36 or more times. The people don't know that because they don't know the Old Testament. Sometimes we run around preaching the you know, yelling the Bible at people who have no idea what the Bible is, don't believe the Bible means anything, so you yelling verses at them doesn't matter. What they want to hear, what you need to hear, is speak to them in their terms. That's what Paul's does. He starts to talk to them in ways that they can understand. So he's using Scripture galore. He talks about God's creation, God sustaining the universe, God's sovereignty over creation, his promise of salvation, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. He told who God was and all God did and spoke about Jesus in ways that they could understand. And he did two really wonderful things. The first thing he did was, remember I said they had the unknown God. They had an altar to the unknown God because they had this mindset that if you offended a God, it could be dire consequences for you. And just in case they missed one, they offered sacrifices to the unknown God. Sounds really stupid to us, doesn't it? To them, it made perfect sense. What does Paul do? He says, let me tell you about the unknown God. He starts telling them about a God they did not understand, but he's using their understanding. He's speaking to them in their way. There's another interesting thing that he does. This other interesting thing that he does is in that passage, he quotes two pagan prophets. Just think about that for a minute. It's kind of freaky. Two pagan prophets, their words end up as the inspired word of God. You think God can use all things? So these two poets, one who wrote 400 years or 500 years before this time, the other who wrote 300 years before this time, Paul takes their quotes. One is, in him you will live and move and have your being. A pagan wrote that. And Paul borrows it and puts it into Scripture eventually. And the other quote says, we are his offspring. Another pagan quote. And Paul takes it and puts it in his speech. Why? So they could understand in terms that they were familiar with. These were famous poets. Paul's speaking in ways that they can understand. So each of you is put in a unique place with opportunities to share Jesus. Your education, your life experience, your background, your age, all the things, that your expertise in life, your hobbies, your interest in sports, your interest in baking, cooking, whatever. God's put you in spaces in which you can relate to people in ways they can understand. You want to talk about baseball? Let's talk about baseball. I can show you all the ways that God is intertwined in baseball. But if I'm talking to my wife about baseball, I got all excited yesterday. I was watching the Phillies. I'm a Phillies fan. And I never saw a game like I saw yesterday. They had 19 runs in the first four innings, five innings. I'd never seen a game like that. It was ridiculous. I went running into the living room and said, I'm watching this game. It's unreal. I've never seen anything like this. And she's like, what? Talking baseball, 
to relate Jesus to her is worthless. Likewise, she's really into baking. She is a cookie expert. Never mind. I don't want to hear about this ingredient, that ingredient, or whatever. So she can relate to people in this massive group she's part of that I can't. God has put you in these places because it's really, really important. And your music taste, all kinds of things about your life, you can relate to Jesus to people in those places, in those ways. Something really important to remember, though. Following Jesus is not a propositional faith. A proposition is a, is a statement of belief. Following Jesus is not a list of what you believe. Following Jesus is what's called a prepositional faith. Any English experts here? A preposition is a word used before a noun. Here's the Christian faith. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Here's a prepositional. If God is for us, here's a prepositional faith. It is God with us. Our faith is about relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not beating into people, this is what you must believe. It is here's Jesus. And God loves you. And you are beautifully and wonderfully made. And no matter where you're at in life, God's with you and can touch you. And here's what God has for you. Not you must check this list of all this stuff. There's 44,000 denominations or more in the world, and we all believe different stuff. I have Christian friends who only go to church on Saturday. I have Christian friends who believe all kinds of things that I don't. But they're my brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's what God is concerned about. He's not concerned about your denomination or having the right checklist. He wants you to know Jesus. Eugene Peterson makes a great statement. He talks about preparing our hearts to be who we're called to be. And he calls on people to pray that their interior is adequate for their exterior. Isn't that a great statement? To pray that our interior, who we are inside, is adequate for what we're doing outside. What if, what if, we become more aware of the Holy Spirit in us and around us. What if each of us became really aware that God is with us and the Holy Spirit's moving in and through us all the time? What if we committed ourselves to the call of evangelism that is on all of us? Go into all the world, your world, whatever that world is. What if we prayed that our interior is adequate for our exterior? What if we made ourselves available to God? What if? What would God do with that? Maybe we should have a, Jimmy will be back, but maybe we should have another open mic session. <laughs> what would God do with that if just this group committed to that? What if? That's the call. Bridget's going to come up and play. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. She's going to pray, and we'll probably get to singing at some point. But we're going to spend some time in prayer. Take your list. Take your list. I'm going to ask you to pray over that list. I want the Holy Spirit to remind you, these are all the opportunities you had last week. Did you miss any? Did you miss opportunities to be kind? Did you whine about the waitress, complain about the service, gripe about the prices? What mark did you leave in all the places you went? 
So I want you to spend time praying over that list. Pray for all the people that are a regular part of your list, because a lot of those people that you wrote down, you will see again and encounter again this week. So in the same prayer, ask God, give me a list. Give me a list this week. If you're really brave, say, God, grow my list. (laughs) Or maybe it's, God, shrink my list. Help me to just see that one person you want me to deeply connect. Bridget plays. I encourage you to go in prayer. Ask God speak to you in this moment. Thanks for listening. If you're looking for a way to get plugged into what we're doing, email us at office at washingtonchurch.org or go to our website, washingtonchurch.org.